Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, where you can expand your sustainable and ESG opportunities with insights from leaders in the field. I'm Paul Ellis, your host for these weekly conversations about developments in this fast-growing industry. Today's guest manages the ETF that won the best new ESG ETF award for 2020. I'm excited to have Dr. Linda Zhang on the show. Dr. Zhang is the portfolio manager and the sub-advisor of the TrueShares ESG Active Opportunities ETF. This award-winning portfolio trades under the symbol ECOZ and offers investors a choice to radically reduce their investment carbon footprint through an actively managed approach to ESG portfolio integration. Dr. Zhang is also a regular contributor to Bloomberg TV and News and a co-founder of Women in ETFs. Hello, Linda, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's great that you could join me today, and congratulations on the award for 2020. Tell us how active management and the low-carbon focus led to ECOZ's award of Best New ESG ETF for 2020. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for mentioning the award. Uh, It was such a pleasant surprise that ECOZ uh, took the award among uh, many, uh, you know, equally deserving ETF issuers, uh, portfolio managers. ESG ETFs is a relatively new space within exchange-traded fund industry. Uh, The asset class has grown rapidly in the last few years. Uh, Almost every major ETF issuer has product. Uh, in the environmental, social, and governance uh, space. Uh, purview as a subadvisor for the fund and uh, true shares as a new ETF issuer, uh, we got noticed. Uh, you know, Purview uh, was founded four years ago with a focus, with 100% focus on climate resilience, low, um, uh, you know, carbon, low carbon transition economy, uh, and ESG research. Uh, you know, we uh, really took uh, a two approaches that I think uh, that are quite different from uh, uh, our peers. One is that uh, this fund is actively managed. Uh, we pick industry themes. We pick uh, securities uh, versus following a well-established uh, <laughs> uh, you know, ESG indices. Uh, you know, and the second one is is really the, um, we, you know, beyond ESG, uh, you know, we took the approach of ESG plus, and that plus side is really focusing on the most critical ESG issue that humanity is facing, which is climate risk. And we're designing a portfolio that really radically reduce the uh, portfolio carbon footprint, uh, EcoZ's uh, carbon footprint in terms of carbon intensity uh, is uh, 85% lower, uh, uh, 85% lower than S&P 500 index. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's, that just shows uh, we are uh, committed to offering investors uh, an opportunity to really make a difference uh, from their investment perspectives. Uh-huh. So, so again, I think uh, the active managed approach to really focusing on long-term investment thesis uh, consistent with uh, ESG, low carbon transition, and also zoom in on providing 
you know, the cleanest uh, possible in terms of carbon emission ETF that probably got uh, uh, noticed by the uh, ETF.com judges for the award. Well, Linda, that's terrific. And, and continuing to focus on this idea of, low, of the low carbon economy, in, 20, in February of 2021, you wrote an article for ETF Trends in which you gave three reasons why you think we are at the dawn of a new industrial revolution. What are the three reasons and how will they help us get to a net zero carbon economy? Yeah, um, well, before I talk about the three reasons, you know, I started the article with really describing um, <clears throat> what, you know, a, a scenario of, uh, you know, imagine a morning in 2035, uh, you know, a morning like this, but it happened in 2035, that you wake up in the morning, uh, you know, you, uh, um, you make yourself a cup of coffee <laughs> using a coffee maker that's uh, powered by clean energy. Right. You know, you uh, throw a toast in your toaster, which is also powered by clean energy, and you 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 step into your vehicle, uh, you know, either Tesla or Neil or just another electric car vehicle from General Motors, um, you know, powered uh, by a clean grid or solar panel on your roof. And the reason I'm saying 2035 is, you know, this administration has a goal that by 2035, the entire U.S. electric grid will be clean, uh, powered by renewable energies. So, you know, U.S. certainly is not the only country who has, uh, you know, a, a blueprint uh, and, and, and policy supports for a vision like that. Many major economies have pledged for net zero economy by 2050. You know, we, we're talking about EU, Japan, South Korea, China by 2060, uh, and now US. Uh, so these are not, you know, not only countries after countries have put in, uh, you know, pledges and, 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 and blueprints, but they also have specific policy initiatives. You know, uh, so, so the, there are three conditions that really uh, is a rare, where the rare convergence of three conditions. Um, uh, for you know, major economies around the world to march toward net zero uh, economy. You know, the first one again is public policies. Uh, we have a nearly a trillion dollar uh, EU um, you know green recovery plan, um, and you know followed by multi trillion dollar um, you know U.S. potential U.S. Um, uh, uh, clean. Uh, infrastructure-based um, uh, initiatives. And we have China who has been uh, a big push, you know, who has spent tons of money from policy-wise uh, in last 10 years uh, promoting uh, green technology. So we have policy support. And the second one is really uh, the cost collapse enabled by advanced technologies. Uh, for example, the cost of renewable, cost of solar panel, for example, have dramatically collapsed. Uh, now it's only a tenth of what it was 10 years ago. Uh, similarly, lithium uh, battery, which, which is used to store um, uh, you know, renewable energy, that cost has also collapsed to one tenth of what it was 10 years ago. Uh, 
And, and thirdly uh, is the uh, you know, corporate actions on demanding these green technologies. Uh, so many private um, uh, companies have become the biggest procurement for renewable energies. You know, we're talking about Apple, uh, you know, Amazon, Google, uh, and many companies, they have uh, contributed to the rapid rise in the demand for, for, for green, green uh, energy uh, because they know this is not just a good thing to do. Uh, you know, they also pledge their date to become uh, net zero uh, operation-wise, but it's also uh, it, it's an economic uh, decision for them. Um, so when you have public policy uh, supports, technology-enabled cost collapse, and rap rapid rising uh, demand for uh, renewable energies, uh, private capital, uh, they typically follow um, and uh, this is a, you know, an ideal environment conducive uh, for long-term investment um, in the, uh, uh, you know, low carbon economic transitions. Yes, Linda, I read recently an article about the billions of dollars that Apple is investing in clean energy uh, in different places around the world where they site manufacturing facilities and they not only produce the energy for those facilities, but they, they, they produce clean energy for the entire communities that are involved. And I think uh, that's a good example of how supportive public policy encourages corporations to provide resources for an entire community, not just for their operations in that community. So uh, I, I completely agree with your uh, your analysis of these three drivers uh, of this uh, of this development <laughs> over time. Uh, now, there's another focus that's a long-term issue that I know you're very it's very dear to your heart and you're very involved in. Um, and let's talk about that. You started your portfolio manager's role at BlackRock in the early 2000s, when only one in ten portfolio managers were women. At the end of 2020, women made up about 14% of the 25,000 fund portfolio managers globally. What do you think it will take for more women to achieve portfolio manager status, Linda? Yeah, it, it, it would take the whole community, of, uh, uh, the whole investment community um, from both asset management side as well as the asset owner side. Uh, you know, you, you, you pointed out a pretty, um, you know, disappointing uh, and a very sticky number that, you know, one in 10 portfolio managers in the U.S. today are women, right? The 14% you mentioned that's global, uh, you know, in the U.S., the number is even more um, um, pathetic. Um, so how do you change that? Um, you know, there are Many people have said, oh, well, there are fewer women managers just because the pipeline is pretty thin. Um, you know, when you look at MBA graduates, right, uh, about half, close to half, uh, you, you look at M MBA graduates, right? Uh, well, first you look at the college graduates, about half of them are women. And when you go to MBAs, there's still quite a bit, not quite half, but there's still a huge percentage there are women who are taking MBAs. And when you look at uh, banks uh, who are working at uh, banks, 
half of the women uh, employees are women, uh, mostly in large banks. Uh, so, you know, women are in industry, but it needs uh, more su support and guidance and encouragement, uh, as well as, uh, you know, making conscious effort not to disadvantage women uh, when it comes to hiring, uh, promoting, uh, and, and, and uh, uh, paying for these women talents. Uh, so uh, these women are not discouraged, right? Uh, so you find women often at the door, there are large women number at the door of asset management industries, and it, they need to be promoted just as equally as um, a man, how quickly men are promoted and how much men, uh, men are paid. So you need to address hiring, um, promotion and pay uh, issues. Um, you know, at all these levels, right? Uh, that's on the asset management side. Um, oh, I would, I would also say there are a lot of female analysts, you know, uh, why aren't, uh, you, know, uh, you know, enough women PMs? You know, I, I find a lot of times um, whoever are making the promotion decisions, you know, they seem to trust women to make decisions on picking securities, yet they uh, don't uh, quickly <laughs> trust women enough to um, pull the trigger and making portfolio uh, management decisions. And that really have to change um, on the asset manager side. Uh, on the asset owner side, uh, you know, they are really the ones, you know, asset owners, asset allocators, pension consultants, pensions, endowments, you know, they are uh, on the picking side, choosing side, um, you know, which funds they choose, uh, and I would say they have to look beyond what funds they need to look at uh, who are managing that, uh, you know, check who are managing it and how many are run by women, how many are run, how many funds or percentage were, were run by uh, ethnic minorities, right? So in, in the asset owners are often very familiar with the concept of asset allocations. Uh, and they, you know, you, they also have to remember uh, you know, portfolio allocations, portfolio manager allocations are just important as um, uh, you know, asset allocations because you don't want the same type of people with the same kind of mindset to manage all your assets. Uh, so, so I think that's my solution, which is really to address from a both um, asset manager side as well as asset owner side. Yeah, so uh, well, Linda, of course, uh, uh, you're referencing one important uh, uh, point that many, many studies over the last uh, 15 years or so uh, do strongly suggest that diversity in management drives performance uh, and, and well-being within companies for employees as well as management. And so mm -hmm. you work also uh, in on this issue as a co-founder and board member of Women in ETFs. And how is Women in ETFs contributing to this effort within the industry to get more women in senior positions, whether it's portfolio managers or on boards or CEOs? Yeah, uh, Women ETFs uh, was a non is a nonprofit organization that was founded by five of us women in the industry seven years ago. And today it has grown to uh, almost 7,000 uh, uh, member globally. 
you know, it's just so rewarding to see how women in ETFs as an organization has really transitioned uh, over the years uh, from an organization that was primarily to connect and inspire women and men. We do have men, male members <laughs> uh, as an organization from, you know, how to connect and inspire each other to really uh, an action-oriented um, organization to change the gender uh, gender gap within our industry. So we have um, uh, at the uh, national and global level, we do have committees uh, that help address uh, gender gap issues. You know, we have, um, uh, you know, education committee to sponsor events. We have uh, um, uh, you know, education events committee, I meant, and we also have um, a career um, and mentorship opportunity uh, uh, committees. And we also, um, you know, two years ago, Elizabeth Kashner from FactSet and I, we co-founded, uh, you know, co-started the Speakers Bureau <laughs> uh, Committee, uh, where we specifically um, connect uh, Speakers Bureau member with um, conference organizers, uh, such as Inside ETFs, uh, Wealthstack, uh, the Exchange, uh, as well as uh, to connect with financial media, such as Bloomberg, um, uh, Financial Times, Wall Street Journal, Barron's, uh, et cetera. Uh, we really hope to um, highlight uh, the women talent, incredible women talent, uh, which now we have close to 50 just in the US Speakers Bureau this incredible talents uh, from all aspects of ETF ecosystem. Um, and, uh, you know, we have had our, you know, through COVID, we had had our, our monthly meetings uh, where, um, you know, we have um, um, uh, mentored each other. We have events, we, uh, we have educational events. And this year we have came out with We Talk program <laughs> where, any members of Speakers Bureau can speak about their expertise. Uh, this program, We Talk program, is open to all public, not just women ETF members. Uh, so, um, so you can see women ETFs uh, has really done, uh, you know, it's become an action-oriented uh, organization to really change the gender gap in ETF industries and in asset management industry in general. And this year, we also put in another great effort, which is addressing the, the gap in, uh, you know, in, in, that, in racial diversity uh, uh, gaps that we observed in our industry. So we're working on uh, you know, better representations on both the board level uh, as well as at member level. And we hope to have more to report on the progress we made uh, pretty soon. Uh, you know, Women ETFs wants to be uh, the, uh, the barrier of, of change, positive change uh, in ETF industry and in financial industry. That's fantastic, Linda. It sounds like a terrific organization. I encourage all of our listeners to consider joining a local chapter or a chapter close to them. Yes. Now, Linda, we're just about out of time today, but I do want uh, uh, you to let our listeners know where they can learn more about Purview Investments, ECOZ, the ECOZ ETF, and TrueShares. 
and how can they get in touch with you with questions about what we've discussed on our program today? Absolutely. So um, uh, Purview is a sub-advisor for EcoZ at uh, uh, ETFs, and you can find more about uh, Purview's uh, climate-focused um, ESG research, gender ESG research, um, purviewinvestments.com. So it's www.purviewinvestments.com to find out uh, to find out about uh, more about uh, you know facts you know, fact sheets, uh, products, uh, details of EcoZ, you can go to the issuer's website on uh, trueshares.com. Um, and, you know, uh, you can also find other products offered by TrueShares on their website. And to find out uh, activities, events, uh, virtue and, and uh, in-person events hosted by uh, either, uh, you know, a global or regional uh, women ETFs uh, organizations or local chapters, you can log on to the website uh, www.womeninetfs.com. Thank you, uh, Paul. Oh, thank you, Linda. And we'll be glad to uh, attach any uh, links that you'd like to send us to this program uh, within the Sustainable Finance Podcast channel at Bright Talk. Uh, many thanks again to Dr. Linda Zhang founder and CEO of Purview Investments and a co-founder and board member of Women in ETS. And to our listeners, please join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, your host for the Sustainable Finance Podcast. <laughs>